turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're continuing our study of end time events. Let me just remind you of something. When you think about end times, and you know, I talked to a person this week about putting Scripture together. Do you realize that if you said end time events, a lot of people would say, just go to the book of Revelation. But in reality, to put together end time events Scripture-wise, you could say, well, go to Daniel and Ezekiel and Zechariah and Revelation and First and Second Thessalonians and Matthew chapter 24 and 25, also some in Mark. And, and that's just a few of the places you could go to be able to put together end-time events. So we're going to be in First Thessalonians this morning as we start. We began by getting a big overview of the end-time events. Let me do this. Let me start with a prayer, and then that way we won't even have to stop as we go through all of this. So um, let, let's pray, and then we'll get into our study. Heavenly Father, what a great morning. Thank you for our class. Thank you for Sunday school. We thank you for all our Sunday school teachers who are teaching the children now and the youth and everything. May they have a great time. Lord, thank you for our class and that we come together to worship Jesus Christ and to study the Word of God so that we can grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. Thank you for these truths that we find about the end times. Lord, we just ask you to teach us, help us to put it together, help us to be ready to give an answer to everyone for the hope that is within us. Lord, we know that we study end times so that we can can, can be encouraged and excited uh, as we study. Uh, teach us, Lord. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we begin in our study, and just to remind you, the big overview of the end-time events, and I think that should be the chart. If you remember, let me just remind you, we call this the premillennial view because we believe Jesus Christ comes and sets up the kingdoms, so premillennial means before the kingdom, so Jesus comes there. Now, what we know is that the Old Testament is looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. Jesus Christ came, died on the cross, paid for sin, rose again, walked on the earth for 40 days, and ascended back to heaven. We've been seeing in the book of Acts... Chapter 2, the formation of the church on the day of Pentecost. So this is where we are. The focus is on the church. Israel is temporarily set aside. We're going to see it at the very end of the lesson today. If we get to it, if not, in the less, at the, uh, we'll see it. And then in the next couple of lessons, we're really going to put together how we realize that Israel has been given a responsibility by God and the church in Israel is separate and they're set aside for a while. When God is through with the church and takes us out, he goes back and he uses Israel again. So the next event is the rapture in which Jesus Christ comes in the clouds, not to the earth. This is to the earth, and this is to the earth. This is in the clouds. He takes the church out, and following that, there will be some time period. We don't know how long it will last, but, but then there will be a man rise to power which becomes a world leader who makes a peace pact with the nation of Israel. And that man, we call him the Antichrist. He'll be a world leader. There'll be a ten-king federation. that will go down to a three-king federation. It'll go to a one-king, and he'll come to become the ruler. He makes a peace pact with the nation of Israel. The peace pact is seven years, and that's what we call the tribulation. It is actually the final seven years of the promised number of years that God gave to Israel. He set them aside. They still have seven years left. The tribulation is those seven years. Then we focused. We saw about the tribulation. In fact, we spent a couple of weeks going through all of the events of the tribulation from the very beginning to the peace pact to the 144,000 Jewish people to all of those things and the very end of course is Jesus Christ coming at the end of the tribulation and he comes as the king of kings lord of lords
lords, and he sets up a kingdom which we call the millennial kingdom. It lasts for a thousand years, and the church participates in the kingdom. Christ reigns as the king of the Jews and the king of the world, and he rules for a thousand years. Now, this chart is not complete because at the end of the thousand years is a thing called the great white throne judgment. Following that, there is the eternal state, which sometimes is called the eternal kingdom, a new heavens and a new earth, so it goes on that way. We just wanted you to see the flow. Our focus lately has been on this little section right here. And the question that people always say is, is the church going to go through this tribulation time period? And there are people who teach that they will. We say no. And we've talked about it. And and in this lesson, we're going to begin to see why we know that the church the body of Christ, will not go through the tribulation. We looked at the various views of the kingdom. We talked about all that. Then we looked at the various views of the tribulation. And then we actually looked at the tribulation and went through that. And we're going to see five reasons why the church will not go through the tribulation. And we'll see how that fits together. We, it, it, there are people who are actually worried. There are people who are Christians who, who have, have trusted in Christ as Savior, the body of Christ, and, but they've heard all their lives about tribulation and Antichrist and the mark of the beast and running for your life and all these people being killed and the worst time that's ever happened on the face of the earth. And it's true that it will be the worst time that's ever happened on the face of the earth. But they've been taught that we'll probably be in that. And that, or they've been taught that if you don't live a good enough life, you will be in that, all those kind of things. I want you to understand that we, the body of Christ, the Jews and Gentiles together in one body by faith in Christ, we will not be in that tribulation. We're going to be taken out, which is called the rapture. So look at, here's some goals that we have as we think about this study. The, the first is to understand the flow of end-time events, see how that fits together. Second is to understand the various views of the kingdom and tribulation. I wanted you to know that. I want you to know about premillennial, postmillennial, amillennial, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, all of those things so that you can have an idea of how these things fit together. The third thing is to understand the 70th, week of Daniel. And I could even say it a different way. Understand about the 70 weeks of Daniel and understand the 70th week of Daniel. If this is brand new to you, if you're saying, what is he talking about, the 70th week of Daniel? We're going to talk about it a little bit more today. We'll get to it at the very end. The very next lesson, in fact, the chart on the back is the 70th week of Daniel. We don't, you don't need to look at it right now, but we're going to go, go into more detail for you so you can put this together. And I just want you to grasp it and understand it. This is one of the most important passages in the Scriptures, Daniel 9, 24 through 27, dealing with the 70 weeks. When you understand that, you can put the Bible together and see how it all fits. The last thing just to grasp is to understand the different terms connected with end-time events, all those different things that we see. Well, let's talk about the tribulation. And we know that that's that seven-year time period. The Old Testament talks about it. Jeremiah calls this, this the time of Jacob's trouble. Now, what's Jacob's other name? Israel. So in reality, this tribulation time period is called Israel's trouble. Now, the church and Israel are two separate things. We've talked about this from the beginning. I just want to make sure you understand this, that the church and Israel are not the same. The church does not replace Israel. The church is not spiritual Israel. The promises given to the nation of Israel begin with Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, all the way down David and everything. All of those promises, they will all come to pass. God deals with his people in particular way. 
the church is totally different than the nation of Israel. The church is made up of Jewish people and Gentile people who put their faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and are placed in the body of Christ, which we saw beginning in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 on Sunday mornings. So the church, the body of Christ, is separate. We're not the same. We don't, we don't take their place. We're totally separate. So when this time period called called the tribulation is called Jacob's trouble or Israel's trouble, we realize that it's different than the church, the body of Christ. And so what we want to do is I'm going to give you five reasons why the church will not be in the tribulation. Okay? Now let me remind you of some things I'm going to go say this really fast. We've talked about it for two straight weeks. But when when the rapture happens, there'll be some kind of time period and then this man of sin will come to power. And then when the man of sin comes to power, he makes a peace pact with Israel for seven years. When we're through with this lesson and the next lesson, you will understand why the tribulation is seven years and why he makes the peace pact for seven years. And so the Antichrist makes the peace pact. 144,000 Jewish people from, from 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes are raised up. They trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. The nation of Israel begins to believe in Jesus Christ as Savior. They're beginning to look at him. And so the nation of Israel, in a sense, is turning back to God because when Jesus Christ came the first time, in the first coming, he presented himself to Israel. Now, that's something you really need to understand. When Jesus came the first time, when you read the Gospel of Matthew, he is presented as the king of the... Jews, the Jews. He came and offered himself as the king of the Jews. He was born king of the Jews. He died king of the Jews. What was the sign on top of, on top of him when he died on the cross? Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. He offered himself as king of the Jews. When he sent the disciples out, he sent them to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He didn't send them to anybody else. So when Jesus Christ came the first time, he's presented himself as the king of the Jews. Okay, the savior of the world, but the king of the Jews. He was rejected by the Jewish people. Jewish people have been, in a sense, set aside, and now God's using us, Jews and Gentiles. When the church started, the church was almost all Jewish. But as the years have gone by, more and more Gentiles, less and less Jews, and now mostly the church is not Jewish. It's mostly all Gentile. Okay, there's going to come a day we'll be gone. So in this rapture, uh, in this, this tribulation time period, the Jews begin to turn back to God because here's the plan. If you read Romans 9, 10, and 11, the nation of Israel at the end of the tribulation will have turned back to Jesus Christ, turned to God, turned to Christ, believed in Him as Messiah and Savior, and they will call upon the name of the Lord to be delivered. When... The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not talking about eternal life salvation. To call upon the name of the Lord and to be saved is to be delivered from wrath, delivered from judgment. The nation of Israel is surrounded by the armies. We talked about that. They call upon the name of the Lord. Jesus Christ comes out of the heavens as the King of kings and the Lord of lords and defeats the enemies. So anytime you read the scripture and it says, call upon the name of the Lord, it is always two things. It is either, I will call upon the name of the Lord for he is worthy to be praised. It is always to call upon him in praise and adoration or it is to call upon him for deliverance from an enemy. So even when you look in Romans 10 where it says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, that's not talking about eternal life salvation. 
He's talking about deliverance from an enemy, and he's actually dealing with Israel in Romans 10. So sometimes people just pull a verse out, and they try to make it say something that it doesn't say. You have to look at it in the context. Well, at halfway through this tribulation, the Antichrist puts his idol up in the temple, claims to be God, tells everybody they've got to take the mark of the beast. What's the mark of the beast? 666, if you can't buy or sell anything, if you don't have the mark of the beast, those people who are believers, who have not trusted, who have not followed the beast, but they have trusted in Jesus Christ, they're running for their lives. Many of them are killed. There's the final campaign we saw called the plant campaign of Armageddon, Har-Megiddo. It takes place at the Mount of Megiddo, and we call it Armageddon. And then there's the second coming of Christ. Now, here's the question. Are we going to be in all that? Are we going to be in any of that? And I've got five reasons that we're going to go quickly through today to show us why we as the church, the body of Christ, are not a part of this tribulation. Here we go. Number one, and I'm going to go through them real fast, and then we'll go through one each one at a time. Number one, there is a distinction. You might go back just to number one. There's a distinction between the rapture and the second coming. You've got to understand that. Because if the church goes through the tribulation, the rapture and the second coming are the same event. And they are not the same event. They cannot be the same event. We'll talk more about it. I'll just give you that one first. The second one is that there are passages that say the church will not experience the tribulation. There are passages that say that. First Thessalonians is one of them. Where we're going to be this morning when we start our passage. Okay? I'm give everybody time to write that down. There's a third one. The return of Christ is imminent. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean? Could be at what? Any second. Could Jesus Christ come right now? Okay, now, if you have to go through the tribulation, Jesus Christ can't come right now, right? In other words, if we've got to experience the tribulation, the peace pack, the Antichrist, them putting his idol over the temple, us running for our lives, not taking the mark of the beast, earthquakes, wars, rumors of wars, all of those things happen during the tribulation. If we have to experience that before he comes to get us, then it's not imminent. It can't happen at any second. But we know it could happen at any second. He tells us in other places, a moment of a twinkle of an eye, boom, going to be changed just like that. The fourth one, and this is one that we've talked about already, but I will go over it again, populating the kingdom. There's going to be that thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth, and there are going to be people going into that kingdom who have normal bodies who will produce children because some of these offspring are going to be in rebellion against Christ. If we go through the tribulation, there's no way to populate the kingdom. And I'll show you, and that way you can realize that it just won't work. And last but not least, and this is the one we're going to spend the time on in the next couple of weeks, there is a distinct, there's, there's a distinction between Israel and the church, and this all goes back to the 70th week of Daniel. Or you could even say it this way, the 70 weeks of Daniel coming up to the very final week, which is the 70th week of Daniel. Now, when you think of Daniel, let me ask you a question as you're writing that down. When you think of Daniel, what do you think of? You think of what? Daniel in the lion's den. You, you think of him probably in two different ways. One, you probably think of him as a young guy taken off into captivity and he stands for God. And then you think of him as an old man. Now, if you think of Daniel in the lion's den as a young man, you're wrong. Daniel is probably 85 to 90 years old when he's thrown in the lion's den. He's been in captivity for 70 years. If he was 15 years old when he was taken off into captivity, he's at least 85. So when you think of Daniel in the lion's den, don't think of a young man. Think of an old man. 
But when you think of the book of Daniel, we all say Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel, great man. The book of Daniel is full of prophecies. In fact, the prophecies dealing with all of the nations and how it all fits together and all of the end times. In fact, at the very end of the book of Daniel, he is told as he gets these revelation, this, this information from God, God says, seal it up till the end times. We don't, he didn't know what that meant. The truth is, as people would try to read Daniel and try to put it together, they'd say, I don't really know what that means. I don't know what the 70 weeks exactly means. I don't know what this means. I don't know who this head of gold and who this is and who this is and how to put it together. When are the end times? Any time after who? After Jesus' death and resurrection. That begins the end times. Suddenly, with the book of Revelation, you now take Daniel and Revelation, and now you can understand it because it all fits together. So Daniel is an incredible book. Let's start with some reasons why that we're, we're not, we are not going to go through the, the, uh, the tribulation. Let me show you, um, Stephen, where is the chart that shows the rapture and the second coming is the same thing? Have you got that one? Okay, see this view right here? People believe that we're going to go through the tribulation and then there'll be rapture, second coming, and it's all the same event. Well, I just want you to understand, it can't be the same event. Okay, go back to the slides, Stephen. Let me show you why. Number one, there's a distinction between rapture and second coming. I think we have some things. Like, First of all, look at the rapture. He comes in the clouds. Second coming, he comes to the earth. And the believers are taken off the face of the earth. Believers are left on the earth. In the rapture, Christ goes back to heaven. He doesn't come to the earth. In the second coming, Christ comes to rule as the king. In the rapture, there's not a judgment in the second coming, the world is judged. In the rapture, there are no signs whatsoever for the rapture. The second coming, there are signs all over the place. The whole tribulation is a sign. Okay, The rapture is only mentioned in the New Testament, but the second coming is mentioned in both Old Testament and New Testament. So they're not the same event. And some people would say, well, yes, they are, and they're not. And we're going to show you in a minute when we get to it on why going up and coming back down is not the same event. It just can't happen. There's a second uh, uh, reason, and that there are passages that indicate the church will not be in the tribulation. You want to write those verses down. Do I have them on the handout? Are the verses there? They are. You don't have to. You can look them up sometime, but listen to this one. Paul is writing to the Thessalonians. If you remember that we see in some other places, he tells them that when I came to visit you, and he was only there the best we can tell three to four weeks before he had to leave Thessalonica, he taught them in that three or four weeks in time information. As we said, sometimes people say, oh, nobody can understand the end times. Paul taught the end times to brand new believers. Okay? And he, listen to what he says. He says, they report, I'm just going to read this. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm going to start at verse 9. But he says, they, they tell us what kind of reception we had with you and how you turn to God, how you serve the living God, how you wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, who rescues us from the wrath to come. What is the wrath to come? Who is he talking to here? 
He's talking to believers in the church, right? He says, God is going to come, Jesus Christ is going to come and rescue us from the what? Wrath to come. First Thessalonians indicates that we won't be there. Uh, the verse right here talks about, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about those who have already fallen asleep. Jesus Christ is going to come out of heaven with a, cloud, with a shout, voice of the archangel, trump of God, and the dead in Christ rise first. We who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. Thus we'll always be with the Lord. This, this tells us we're going to be taken out with the Lord before any of this stuff happens. First Thessalonians 5, 1-11 talk all about the day of the Lord. And by the way, the day of the Lord actually begins at the rapture when we're gone. And the day of the Lord goes over a long time period. It's not a particular day, but it's a time. And the day of the Lord talks about how we're going to be delivered from wrath. In fact, listen to this. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9 says, For God has not destined us for wrath but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when you read those verses, understand that every time you see salvation, he doesn't mean eternal life salvation. What salvation is he meaning in this passage? Of being rescued from what? The wrath. Listen to what he says. God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining deliverance. That's what the word literally means, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is going to come get us, take us out. We're not going to go through that. Revelation 3.10 says, I will keep you out of the tribulation to come. He tells them that. That's written to the churches, by the way. And even Romans chapter 5, verse 9 talks about we're justified so that we won't deal with the wrath or the tribulation. Okay? Now, if you have a question or a comment, just like always, stop me. Okay? Because I want to make sure you get this. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's supposed to be Thessalonians 4. I'm sorry. I just saw 3. It's supposed to be 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Yes, exactly right. I'm sorry. I don't. I have 1 Thessalonians 4 here, but it has 3 there, which means I made a mistake and typed it wrong or put it in and gave it to them wrong. Okay, 1 Thessalonians 4. That, look at there. See, it, it's a miracle of modern. Look. Uh, good. <laughs> well, you just have to say it and it just happens. I mean, it's just so amazing, isn't it? That's how the rapture's going to be. Just, go, just like that. We'll be changed. We won't be a three anymore. We'll be a four, you know? <laughs> All right. Any, okay, next. Here's the next reason. The rapture is imminent. That means it could happen at any second. If I told you that we're getting on the bus and leaving, and if I said to you, now listen, the bus... The bus could come at any time, so be watching because the bus is going to pull up any time. You'd be saying, look, <laughs> we don't know when the bus is coming. It's coming in a few minutes. So we better be ready, right? But what if I came in and said, look, the bus is coming to get you, but before the bus comes to get you, you're going to have to be in this classroom for about 40 minutes, and you've got two different tests to take. Would you think the bus is coming any second? No, because you know you're going to be in the classroom. You've got two tests to take and all of that. If I said to you, Jesus Christ could come at any second, however, you're going to have to go through the tribulation of the Antichrist, the 144,000, you'd say, then that's not, it can't come in any second. But the Bible tells us to be, he could come at any second. In fact, you don't even know when he's coming. He could come in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Okay? You got that one? Okay. Here's the, the next one. And this is powerful. To populate the kingdom. Stephen, can you do the one again that shows up and down? Okay. Now, there's a thousand year reign 
with Christ on the earth. Now, some people teach church goes through the tribulation, remember, at the end, they'll say the rapture and the second coming are the same thing. So we go up and we come back down and we go into the kingdom. Okay? Let's pretend that's right. Okay? So, um, here are people on the earth. Here we are in heaven with Jesus Christ. What kind of bodies do we have in heaven with Jesus Christ? Glorified bodies. That means bodies that do what? That don't decay, don't die. We do not populate, by the way, because he says we'll be like angels in heaven, meaning you don't reproduce, okay? What about people on the earth? What kind of bodies do they have? They have regular bodies. But if the rapture and the second coming is the same thing, what happens when he comes in the clouds? The dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and maybe All these people will be what? Changed. And then they come back. Now, going into the kingdom, what kind of bodies do all the people have? Glorified bodies. But what we know is that if you study the, the whole idea of the kingdom, you realize that as you go into the kingdom, there's supposed to be people going to the kingdom with normal bodies because they produce children. And these offspring, over this thousand years, many of them are in rebellion against Jesus Christ. They don't believe in Him. And when you get to the end of the thousand years, the book of Revelation tells us there's a final rebellion. Satan is loosed from the pit that he's been held in. And all these people reject Jesus, of course, and they come after, and there's a battle. Now, if, if that the rapture, the second coming, all of this happens, if we go through the tribulation... Who's going to populate the kingdom? Who's going to populate the kingdom? There's no possible way. So where are you going to find human beings in normal bodies if this is the same? It cannot be. We can't. The rapture and the second coming cannot be the same event. That takes us to the last one, and this is the big one, okay? This is, there's a distinction between Israel and the church that Jeremiah 30, verse 7, it's dealing with the nation of Israel and not the church, okay? The nation of Israel and not the church. This is called what? Jacob's trouble. Israel's trouble. Now, I've got some things there I want you to put down. Do you have like A, B, C, and D and all that stuff under there? Okay, all right. I want you to see this and then... Uh, we, if, we, if we get started on this last one, I'll try to explain it to you. I just want you to be able to put it together. Okay. First of all, when we think about tribulation, we realize that this is dealing with Israel. Now, take, take this just by faith at this time until I show you all the verses. But this tribulation time period is not about the church. We've already seen that we can't go through the tribulation for a number of reasons. Verses tell us we won't. There's no there's a distinction between first between rapture and second coming. Uh, you can't populate the kingdom, all of those kind of things. But I want you to understand that that they're that the nation of Israel is who this whole thing is dealing with. Let's start by saying there's first of all, this time period is discussed throughout the Old Testament. Now this is this is just an easy one saying that the, this time period is discussed throughout the Old Testament. But let me ask you a question: Is the church ever mentioned in the Old Testament? No. In fact, the church is a mystery. So when this is all talking about tribulation, the church is never even mentioned because church, there's no aspect of the church being in, a part of this. Second, let me just show you this one: Israel and the church are not the same. Now I, we don't have anything on this slide, do we? Okay, right. But let let me remind you of something. The church is made up of who? 
Jews and Gentiles. Nation of Israel made up of who? The church is called the blank of Christ. The what? The body of Christ. Israel is a nation, not a body. The nation of Israel is under law. Is the church under law? No. The nation of Israel has a land, right? Does the church have a land? No, in fact, we're supposed to go through where? Beginning in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. We have the whole world. So I want you to understand that Israel and the church are not the same. We're not the same. And we said it over and over. I'm just giving you all this. D, I mean C, this time period is called what? Jacob's trouble. That's Jeremiah 30, verse 7. It's not called the church's trouble. It's not called the body of Christ's trouble. It's not called any of that. It's called Jacob's trouble, which is Israel. Okay? Now, this next one is one of my favorites. In fact, it's my second favorite other than Daniel chapter 9. Okay? Here it is. D. The book of Revelation shows the distinction between Israel and the church and how the church is not in the tribulation. Okay, you ready for this? How many chapters are there in the book of Revelation? Try 22, okay? Chapters 1 through 3, 4 through 19. Okay, you got them? All right. There's 22. In chapters 1 through 3, the churches and churches mentioned 22 times in the seven letters. 22 times churches mentioned in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation. Starting in chapter 4, going through most of, in fact, all of chapter 19, this is called the tribulation time period. In fact, if you started reading the book of Revelation, you start in chapter 4 and you go through chapter 19, you cover the entire revelation and the tribulation time period. Guess what? Church is never mentioned. Now let me show you something else, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Starting in chapter 20 through 22, in chapter 20, Jesus Christ comes back at the end of chapter 19. He sets up the kingdom in chapter 20. He makes the new heavens and the new earth in chapters 21 and 22. Guess what? The church is mentioned six times. Now, in the first three chapters, mentioned 22 times. In the last chapters, mentioned six times. In the time of the tribulation, never mentioned. Why do you think that is? Because why? Because we're not in it. Don't you think that if we were going through the tribulation, he would be mentioning us? Chapters 1 through 3, he says this. I'm writing these letters to the churches. 4 through 19, he's talking all about the tribulation. We never mentioned. 20 through 22, we come back. We come back with Jesus Christ. He sets up the kingdom. He rules in righteousness and justice. There's a new heavens and a new earth. And there we are. We're mentioned six times. So... Being logical, if you just had the book of Revelation, you could say, I wonder why we're not mentioned any at all during the tribulation. Why? We're not there. Okay, now here's the hardest one, and we've got just a few minutes to talk about it, and I'll get you started in it, and I know you'll probably have questions, and then we'll be able to deal with those. But the, the most important one of all of these is this. The 70th week of Daniel is dealing with the Jewish nation and their history. It's not the church. Okay. Now, I want to show you something. You're just going to have to listen. Let me get everybody to write that down for just a second. You don't have to write anything else down for just a second. Let me, let me see what the handout has on it. Okay. 
I'm going to make sure everybody stops writing so we can explain something to you. Okay, you ready? When you go to the book of Daniel, you find, and we're going to go into more details in the next couple of lessons, Daniel has been in captivity for 70 years. He reads the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was told by God that from the time the nation of Israel was taken off into captivity until they got to go back, it would be 70 years. So Daniel says, wow, it says 70 years. We've been here 70 years. So he begins to pray to God and say, God, fulfill your word and let us go back home. That's what he prays. While he's praying, an angel comes. Anybody know who the angel is? Who's the messenger angel? Gabriel. Gabriel comes. He said, I'm Gabriel. See my name tag? And he said, yeah, it's good looking good. He says, Daniel, you've been thinking about what God's doing for his people. I'm going to tell you what God is going to do for his people. Okay, now listen carefully. In Daniel 9, 24 through 27, he uses terms that bother us, that confuse us. He uses a term, week. He says, 70 weeks are given for your people. And we go, weeks? Well, I want you to understand that the word week in Hebrew is a word, shabuah. And it means seven. Just like we say the word dozen, dozen means what? Twelve. If I said I've got ten dozen of something, you'd know I had how many? Okay. If I said I've got seven weeks of something, how many would I have? Forty-nine. Think about it, see? Okay? The word Shabuah, seven, it's translated week, but it means what? Seven, just like dozen is translated to be what? Twelve. He says, 70 weeks am I given to Israel. Now, how long is 70 weeks? It's seven times 70, which equals how much? 490. Now, at first, we don't know. We don't know. It says, 70 weeks are given to your people. If Daniel is there, well, pretend if he came in and said, 10 dozen is given to this church. We'd go, 120-something, right? Right? He says to them, to Daniel, 70 weeks are given to Israel. That's 7 times 70 is 490. Now, let me just tell you something. The only thing that fits in the Scripture is years. He didn't say years, but the only thing that fits is years. So get this. He tells Daniel, and I'm going to tell you, but I'm just going to give it to you quickly, and then time will be up, and I'll just say, well, you'll get it sometime. But anyway, okay, get this. <laughs> He says to Daniel, I'm giving your people, and I'm going to put it in our terms, I'm giving your people 490 years. And then he actually tells him when it's going to start. He says, from the decree to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah will be a certain number of years. The decree was found in Nehemiah chapter 2. You don't have to write any of this down. I just want you to know there was a starting point. We can go to history and we can go to that starting point, and we can count from that date and go up to the time of Jesus Christ. In fact, he actually says it's to the time that the Messiah is cut off, meaning to die. He actually says from the time of the decree till the time of the Messiah will be 483 years. Okay? He's that exact. If you go in history... 
and you go back and count it, from the day of the decree until the time Jesus Christ came into Jerusalem and went to the cross, guess how many years it was? 483 years. Okay? Now let me ask you a question. How many years did God say to Daniel that he's going to give to the nation of Israel? 400 and what? But the Messiah was cut off at how many years? 483. 490 minus 483 makes how many years left for the nation of Israel? Seven. The tribulation time period is the final seven years for the nation of Israel to do what God has for them to do. Now, when Daniel saw it, God broke it up in sort of a funny... Do I have a slide on this? I don't know. Let me see. Yeah, yeah, look at this. Um, look at this. By the time of Jesus Christ, the nation of 483 of these years. Look at the next slide. Okay. Here's what God said to Daniel. There will be seventy weeks, seven weeks and 62 weeks and one week. And what does that add up to be? Seventy weeks. If you take it as years... It'll be 49 years plus 434 years plus 7 years, which is 490 years. Now, when Daniel saw this, this is what he saw. Seven weeks, 62 weeks, followed by a week. He knew that there would be 49 years plus 434 years. What would happen right there? The Messiah would be what? Cut off. But he doesn't know about the church because the church is a what? It's a mystery. Nobody ever heard of the church in the Old Testament. So Daniel thinks there'll be 449 years, 434 years, 7 years, 490 total years. He doesn't know there's a gap. It really happened this way. 49 years, 434 years. How many does that make? 483. What happened? Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again. What did God do with Israel? Set them aside. What did he do then? He brought us together as the church. We're the gap. There's a gap between the 483 and these final seven. We're here doing our thing. When we get through doing our thing, what's God going to do? He's going to come get us, rapture, and take us out. And then how many years does Israel have left? And that's the tribulation. Now, what we're going to do in the next week or two when we go through all this, I'm going to take you to Daniel. I'm going to have some handouts. Now, notice the handout on the back just shows you from the time of the decree. Is time already up? Golly, time is already up. Notice this. From the time of the decree, the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem, there'll be seven weeks and then plus 62 weeks, which makes 69 weeks, which makes 400 and what? 83 years, okay? Then Christ comes. The Messiah is cut off. Then there's the destruction of Jerusalem. There's the gap. Who's the gap? We are. And then after we're gone, what happens? They have their final week. Do you remember? I read the verses the other day when it said, And the Antichrist will make a covenant with the nation of Israel for how long? One week. Which is how long? Seven years. Years. This final week is called the 70th week of Daniel because he promised them 70 weeks. They've used up 69. They have one week left. Does this make sense at all? Does it make sense? You got it, right? So you could, uh, okay. Well, okay, we'll get it next time, okay? All right. Yeah, okay, let me do this. Let me give you applications real quickly. Time is up, but let me give you the applications. First of all, realize that the tribulation deals with Israel and not the church. Okay? 
And if you want to write that down, you can. It'd be, uh, do you have room to write it? Do we, do we have it? Okay. Uh, Israel, the tribulation deals with Israel, not the church. Let me ask you a question. Why? Huh? Because the, the prompt that this, this 490 years was made with who? Israel, not us. And the rapture and the second coming can't be the same thing because you can't populate the kingdom, right? Okay, the second one is this. Understand the, the key ways we know that the church will not be in the tribulation. That's those five things that I gave you. You don't have to write all that down, but just know the key ways. And then number three, begin to understand the flow of Daniel 9, 24 through 27, and the 70th week of Daniel. Let me show you something. When we go through this, I'm going to take you through 24, 25, 26, and 27. We're going to take each verse. You're going to look at it. If you want to, for fun, Go to Daniel 9, 24 through 27, and understand that weeks, that a week is how long? Seven years. And put it together, and you'll see it. Okay. We better pray. You know, everybody's writing. I'm going to wait to pray before, to see if you get through writing. Okay. Heavenly Father, thank you. For these truths, Lord, help us to put it together so that as believers we'd be ready to give an answer to anyone for the hope that is within us, that we would understand that the church and Israel are separate, that the, the tribulation time period is actually the final seven years given to the nation of Israel of their 490, and that we'd be able to put these together and see how it fits. Lord, thank you for how exact your word is is. And when you told Daniel it would be 483 years to the Messiah, it was exactly 483 years to the Messiah. Thank you, Lord, that your word is always true. Help us, Lord, to understand this and be ready to give an answer. Help us to proclaim the greatest message of all, faith alone, in Christ alone, for eternal life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.